I've decided that being annoying isn't a good enough reason not to like someone. Getting discomfortable with annoying people. One of the big misconceptions in our culture is that other people and other things, external events outside of us, cause our emotions. He made me angry. She hurt my feelings. That upset me. You made me sad. The truth is, we and our brains and our interpretations of events are what create our own emotional reactions. We know this just by the fact that every single person has a different emotional reaction to any given event. A situation where someone made you angry might elicit a completely different response in a different person. The exact same scenario or behavior or language might have made someone else laugh or might have made someone else think or might have made someone else sad, might have made someone else learn something. It is, in fact, our own interpretation of events that is causing us to get angry when someone does something to us or says something to us or when something happens. I see this illustrated in my own life all the time. I hate to use this stupid example again, but if you go back to the episode I did about Wisdom 2.0, where I was extremely upset that someone had peed all over a toilet seat at this meditation conference, only to discover minutes later that no one had peed on the toilet, it was just the way the toilet flushes, it caused water to splash all over the toilet seat. One interpretation of that event made me really angry, made me upset, made me kind of judge the entire conference that I was at and all the people there negatively. But then when I had another interpretation, a much more accurate and informed interpretation of what had happened, I felt completely neutral about it. It was fine. It was like, ah, oh, a bit of water, I'll clean it off. Often when we get angry and we feel like someone or something has made us angry, it's because we think that what they're saying or doing is unfair or disrespectful or not right in a moral sense. But if we were to shift our interpretation and say, actually, they're completely justified, or that was totally fair, or this happens all the time, or that's life, it would change the way our brain reacts, probably inducing less anger and more acceptance, understanding. Ever since I had my shame breakthrough, and I realized that feeling shame was actually a good thing for me, it was, it was practice, it was learning. Ever since I've been trying to get comfortable with discomfort, hence the title of this whole podcast, Discomfortable, I've reinterpreted the way that I feel and react when I feel uncomfortable or when I feel bad or when I'm in a situation that I normally would want to get out of. My first reaction is discomfort, anger, fear, a whole series of unpleasant emotions that my conditioned brain thinks it needs to run away from or get rid of as soon as possible. But I've been working on reframing those situations and reminding myself, no, Stay here. This is the thing that you want to explore. Discomfort means you're doing something right. And when I remind myself of that shift in interpretation, I really do change from being angry, upset, and uncomfortable 
too a little bit excited, albeit nervous, kind of giddy. My heart starts to race, but I'm happy to stay in the moment and explore it and to go deeper. I get a little bit of a mischievous smile on my face, like, oh, wow, this person on the subway is yelling at me. Great. We are about to experience something new. We are about to learn something. We are about to practice getting comfortable with discomfort, practice dealing with being triggered. What could be better than learning and practicing to live with integrity, to stay inside your values, even when you are emotionally triggered, when your fight-or-flight reflex is telling you to go running or to start fighting or to freeze or to pander? It's such valuable practice because every time I do it, it means I have more control over my conditioned emotional reflexes which means I can be the person I want to be, even under the most intense and scary and difficult circumstances. In fact, when I was in Sweden last month at that nonviolent communication nine-day international intensive training, we did a whole seminar about how to deal with being emotionally triggered, in which we did a role play with two partners. One partner, we told them who they were going to be in our life, like maybe our boss or our best friend or our mother or our neighbor. And we told them exactly what to say to us in order to trigger a really intense emotional response. And then the third partner was our empathy buddy, and they sat beside us whenever we needed empathy. And the exercise was sort of a go, 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 stop thing. You tell your partner who's playing your trigger to go, and then you pause them as soon as you feel emotionally triggered. So I had my partner role play that she was someone in authority at this actual intensive nonviolent communication training program criticizing my ability to nonviolently communicate. I mean, I told her exactly the kind of things to say, but she did an amazing job of it. And within one sentence, I was already emotionally triggered. So I paused her. I turned to my empathy buddy. I explained what I was feeling in my body, what emotions were coming up. And then I was encouraged by our instructor for that seminar to just sit with the feeling, to just get comfortable with it, just to see what it did, to just get used to it, to, to accept it. And once I felt like I had accepted and understood the feeling, I was able to unpause the role play and receive more low-key verbal abuse. And then I paused again, and I repeated this over and over again. And throughout this sort of five or ten minute exercise, I just got more and more comfortable and more and more aware of all the ways that these comments were triggering emotions in me. And my empathy buddy noticed something really interesting. Whenever the words really triggered me and I paused my partner, I would start to laugh nervously and be like, oh, wow, yeah, I'm really triggered. And my empathy buddy was like, what would happen if you just didn't laugh? And I was like, okay, okay, that's interesting. So I went back to my triggering partner. I unpaused her. And as soon as she started triggering me again, I felt the impulse to laugh. I shut it down. And right away, I burst into tears. So that was just an interesting note that I immediately discovered how I use nervous laughter to basically shut down crying. And what was also interesting is that crying is something that I rarely do, at least not in public. 
And that is an uncomfortable situation or feeling, crying in public, that I really wanted to explore, especially at this nonviolent communication retreat, because everybody there was crying every day. Okay, well, not everyone, but every day someone was crying. It was just a very safe, open environment where people could just be honest about their feelings. And in fact, my empathy buddy in that exercise, you might remember from the episode I did about nail polish. He was my friend Max, who taught me how to paint my nails. And he He was a guy in the program who was very free with his emotions, and he was able to cry in front of everyone with no problem. And I was like, that's what I want to try. (laughs) I was inspired by Max in a number of ways, but he really inspired me also to want to get in touch with tears, to be able to cry in public, to just get over the discomfort of that. And so it was interesting that he was my empathy buddy who suggested that I try not nervously laughing. And as soon as I did, I fulfilled my goal of crying in public. And throughout that seminar, I thought a lot about when I was shutting down tears or emotion or sadness. And I came to the conclusion that throughout any given day, we probably have a natural feeling of sadness, tears, or at least watering eyes. The exact same amount that we have the natural instinct to smile, giggle, or laugh. And throughout any given day, I allow myself to smile, giggle, and laugh all the time. And I never allow myself to cry or even to allow my eyes to water or or even to really let myself feel sad or grief at all. So it's no wonder that we quote-unquote burst into tears. I think what we are doing with our sadness and our tears is exactly what happens when we restrain ourselves from giggling. You know when you're in class or some serious presentation or a funeral and something kind of funny happens and you're like, I am not allowed to laugh at this. And that sheer restriction kind of fuels the laughter and you start to like shake and cry and maybe you and a friend notice this thing together and you're both trying not to look at each other because you're worried you're literally going to burst into laughter. I think that's what we do with tears. We hold back these tiny moments where we might cry a little or we might just feel sad or our eyes might water up. We hold that down until it builds up like an uncontrollable laugh and just overflows when we finally can't keep it in any longer. So it's probably a lot healthier and a lot just more normal to spend your day allowing these little moments of sadness to come out. You know, a couple tears or just a misty-eyed moment or a little bit of sadness. Those moments are probably coming naturally and are available to you all throughout the day, just in the same way that laughter and smiling and giggling is popping up all the time too. All this to say, as usual, I'm on a bit of a tangent, that throughout this little workshop on triggering emotions, everybody's trigger was different. My situation would have done nothing for various other people in that workshop. And my partners, when we switched and allowed them to get triggered, had completely different triggers as well. And it just goes to show that when we think that other people are triggering us, It's not actually true. We are being triggered by our own interpretation, our own view, our own shame, our own fears, etc. It's our construct of the world when triggered in a certain way that sets us off. Other people are the stimulus, but they are not the cause of our emotions. We are. 
And when you realize that you are the cause of your own emotions, it immediately shuts down things like blame and judgment, and it makes anger, while natural, I'm I'm not saying you should suppress any emotions, but you just realize that that anger, it isn't fair to direct it at this other person. That anger is coming from within you. You created it. It's your anger. Understanding that you are the cause of your own emotions is the platform upon which you can start to work on being non-reactive, which I've talked about before. The key to being non-reactive isn't that you don't react. As usual, I don't think we should be suppressing any emotions, be it anger or sadness or crying or discomfort. I absolutely think the best way to deal with emotions is to completely accept them. But that doesn't mean that we have to let ourselves be controlled by them. That doesn't mean that we have to fall into our natural fight-or-flight reflexes that tell us to act in certain ways. Just because I'm angry, that doesn't mean I have to yell. I could just say, I'm angry right now. The same is true for shame. It's not about not feeling shame. It's about understanding how to deal with shame such that you don't fall into the three most common shame reactions, fight, flight, or people please. It's about accepting the emotion, being honest about it, and working with it in a way that doesn't push it outside of our value system back onto another person. It's about owning the emotions that we have created and dealing with them ourselves, but also being honest about them. I'm not a very angry person. So when I talk about how my anger is my responsibility, that I created it, not another person, the way that that manifests in my life the most, I think, is through annoyance or irritation. Day to day, on a low level, I find myself annoyed and irritated by other people, quote unquote. I think as a culture, We are constantly foisting our annoyance and irritation onto other people, blaming them for an emotion that is actually caused by us and is based on our view of the world, our own insecurities, our own fear, our own shame, etc. So every time we judge someone else as annoying, that's not really accurate at all. That person's not annoying. That person simply stimulates something inside your conditioned worldview that causes your brain to react with the strategy of annoyance because subconsciously your psyche thinks that somehow being annoyed is the best strategy for staying alive. So annoyance is your strategy for dealing with someone or dealing with a situation. It's not a quality about them. One person's annoying is another person's delightful. I may, for example, find Ryan Gosling deeply annoying, but someone else finds him super fascinating and exciting and interesting or delightful or attractive or amazing or perfect or inspiring. It has nothing to do with Ryan Gosling, really. He's not actually annoying or inspiring. It completely depends on each of our unique perspectives on him. And I've discovered that when I stop myself from judging another person as annoying, it allows me to see all these other qualities about them that are amazing at the same time. I've decided that being annoying 
isn't a good enough reason not to like someone, isn't a good enough reason to avoid someone, to not hang out with them, isn't a good enough reason to not be friends with someone, to not be respectful towards someone. There are lots of people that trigger the strategy of annoyance within me. But those people also have all kinds of amazing qualities and all kinds of wisdom and relatable truths and needs that I can totally connect with if I just try. And when I really dig into why this person is triggering the reaction of annoyance in my conditioned brain, it's almost always deeply rooted in my own insecurities and shame. I grew up feeling a lot of shame about the fact that I was gay, and that created a lot of annoyance in me when I was around people who acted really effeminate. It, it irritated me. It bothered me. I thought that they were just so annoying. I thought it was about them. But no, it had nothing to do with them. It was all about me. If you think to yourself about anything about yourself that you don't like, that you have shame about, that you judge yourself for, almost certainly if you meet another person with that quality, you are going to find them deeply annoying. You may not even realize it because we put in so much effort to suppress things about ourselves such that we don't really have them anymore. In the last episode I did about nail polish, I pondered why it was that I just naturally felt like I didn't behave in an effeminate way or a way that stereotyped me as being gay. That's probably because deep down I was so afraid of being gay that I stamped all of that out of my personality completely. So much so that I wasn't even consciously aware of being gay but I was still deeply annoyed and irritated whenever I was around someone else who displayed those quote-unquote gay stereotypical qualities, even if the person wasn't gay. So it's entirely possible that you could be really annoyed by something someone does that seems totally out of character for you. It's something you would never do. But deep down inside, it's something that at one time you were afraid of being or doing or maybe you enacted it when you were a child. It's something that you have shame around and you have worked so hard to avoid that shame that you've never done it again or never allowed yourself to enact it. But when other people do it, you find them annoying. And that isn't about them. It's entirely about you. So the next time you find yourself annoyed with someone, turn it around and figure out why it is that you personally are so emotionally triggered that you have to create this strategy to label them as annoying in order to avoid them. Almost certainly it's because we do not want to be around someone who does the kind of things that bring us shame personally. It's too close for comfort. So by creating the strategy of that person's annoying, it it naturally inspires us, motivates us to stay away from them. I think this whole paradigm plays out even more dramatically in the dating world. When you go on a date and you really find someone annoying and kind of unbearable and you don't want to be around them or see them ever again, such that you can't even like return their last text message, it's probably because they trigger something within you that you have a lot of fear and insecurity and shame about. 
And maybe it is that the person you went on a date with is an asshole. You know, I think a lot of us would have shame about behaving as an asshole. So the idea of being around this asshole is abhorrent to us. And that makes sense. It seems fair for us to reject someone for being an asshole. But actually, I don't think that's the right approach either. If we want to create a world that has less assholes, I think we're better off to be able to understand how their assholeness is triggering us and then be able to confront them about it, be able to talk to them honestly about it, to be able to share with them what it feels like to be on the receiving end of asshole so that they can start to empathize with that position. They can start to say, oh, wow, okay, I I didn't realize how I might be hurting people. That's something that I now am aware of, and I want to work on, and I want to change, and I want to improve. As usual, I think that changing people for the better comes from a place of empathy, acceptance, understanding, honesty, communication, as opposed to distancing, judging, rejecting, punishing, etc. The truth is that someone out there finds you deeply annoying. And that's not really about you so much as the way that you are stimulates something in them that they are insecure about or they are ashamed of or they have worked their whole life to avoid. And so they have created the reaction of annoyance in themselves. Without a doubt, there are various people that you will go on a date with, and they will never want to see you again. They will never even want to talk to you. They will reject you in an an almost painful way. And once again, that has less to do with you and more to do with who they are, who they want to be, and who they are afraid of being seen as or seen with. So now, when I go out in public when I meet new people, when I do courses, I always look for the annoying people. I look for the people that trigger me. I look for the people that I naturally want to avoid. And I can't even tell why. I'm just like, oh God, stay away from that guy. And then I remember, no, go towards that guy. Investigate that guy. Connect with that guy. See what it is within that guy that is triggering me. And it is almost always completely obvious once I get to know them what it is that's triggering me. And it's also completely possible to move beyond it, to recognize that they really do stimulate something uncomfortable and irritated within me, but that beyond that, they are a complex and interesting and totally relatable human being worthy of connection and love like everyone else. And by challenging myself to move towards those people that make me annoyed or make me uncomfortable, I am gradually learning to overcome that feeling. I am gradually learning to replace my natural reaction to avoid things that trigger me with a new reaction to pursue them, to get excited, to be like, yes, a super annoying person. I can't wait to get to know them. I'm going to spend this entire workshop sitting right beside them. So if you meet me out there in the world and we really connect Maybe it's because I find you super interesting, or maybe it's because I find you super annoying. You'll never know, (laughs) except that, you know, now I'm working on being more and more honest, so I might just tell you. Either way, I know I'm going to benefit from being around you. I know I'm going to learn. I know I'm going to grow. I know I'm going to get comfortable owning my own emotional reactions and learning to move past them, learning to see beyond them, to see the real person behind them. 
and at the same time teaching myself to get comfortable with the things that I'm afraid of, insecure about, or ashamed of. So it's a win-win situation.